choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and whomsoever you may choose to identify as, welcome to the Daustronaut podcast. Thank you for joining me, your host, Ben Baldieri, on this journey to the edge of the blockchain universe where we will be exploring the uncharted expanses of the DAO space. DAOs or decentralized autonomous organizations are made possible through blockchain technology and will form the backbone of Web 3.0. DAOs represent the next frontier of human creativity, collaboration and potential and give us the opportunity to fundamentally reimagine how we organize, what we organize around and why we choose to do it. On this voyage, I will be interviewing the most exciting and innovative projects in the DAO space picking apart what exactly it is that they are up to, analyzing how they are going about it, and understanding why they too have embarked on this quest into the expanse. In doing this, and in you, my fellow Daosonauts, choosing to join me on this odyssey, we will learn just how revolutionary Daos can and will be. These organizations and this way of organizing are going to change absolutely everything. And in choosing to join me on this adventure, you have secured your seat on the fastest rocket into the decentralized future. To say that I am excited about the promise that this future holds would be an absolute understatement. So let's all suit up, lay back and strap in for launch. One thing that I must insist that everybody remembers for the duration of this voyage is that nothing that is said on this podcast is financial advice. With that in mind, please sit back and enjoy the ride. And there we go. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to yet another episode of The Dowsonaut. I am joined this evening by Lamar from Borderless Blockchain Alliance. This is one that I've been looking forward to for quite some time. This is also one that I know that many of the audience have been looking forward to as well. Uh, Lamar, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you so much, Ben. Thank you. It's it's my pleasure. I know we have discussed it uh, for a while now, and finally we are here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I think an interesting place to start, just before we hit record, just before we hit um, go live, was um, some of the things that you have done prior to getting involved in this space. And one of the more interesting ones, I think, would probably be the secondhand market for certain types of car. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, it, um, uh, you know, I was dealing with, uh, I worked on commission. We were buying old trucks, trailers, old cars, because in some countries, uh, just because they have some spare parts, 
to a certain brand, then that's the only valuable thing there. So say if we take Afghanistan as an example, if you send a Mercedes, they don't want it. Like they don't pay any money. But if you send a Toyota Corolla, that has a lot of value. So we were targeting uh, um, big trucks, uh, mostly Man, uh, Duff, and uh, what else was it? To Afghanistan, it was only Man, Duff, and Mercedes. And to Nigeria, it was... Uh, um, Scania also, but mostly sp spare parts. And uh, we went to Eastern Europe because Eastern Europe, uh, they don't have the same economy and um, they sell their trucks much cheaper. So uh, we bought the trucks, we sent it to different countries, especially Afghanistan and uh, Nigeria and some other African countries. And um, it was... It was very interesting because you met a lot of people. You met a lot of people and they did, uh, like you, you saw that people, no matter where they are, they are still people. So for me, I was very young when I did it. So it was, I didn't know that. I, I lived in my small bubble and I thought that that was uh, the whole world, but it wasn't. So uh, when I was working with this, I think it helped me a lot to see that, okay, everyone is, uh, we are all people. It doesn't matter, sure, we have different backgrounds and histories and so on, but most of the things is the same. Like, say, take business as an example. Everywhere you go, as long as you talk dollars, everyone is on board. So it's we have a lot of things in common, and, and as soon as we understand that, we can actually leverage that. Uh, we can use it to help people or use it to help ourselves, uh, both in business but in life and how we grow. So... Um, I think I I, uh, I got away from your question there, flipping cars, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's, yeah. I mean, you touched on everything there, I think. And I think you're exactly right. Like, there is so much value to be had in the, the more kind of collaborative aspects. And I think that being able to understand that collaboration comes from, having an appreciation that at the end of the day, we are all broadly similar. We are all just people, right? We're all looking after our families. We're all looking after our friends. We're all looking after ourselves. And if there is a way that you can interact with someone in a way that is going to yield value from the interaction for the both of you, then you're going to be able to achieve far more than if it was just you by yourself, right? Yeah. So I think this brings us quite nicely then onto um, human capital. How would you define human capital? I would say any sort of value you can bring as a person. So say if we take normally we have, uh, okay, if you have a certain degree, if you have a certain education and if you, you work in a certain, uh, for a certain company and that's your value today and that's what you bring. So say if you work for a billion dollar company and no matter what role you have and the hours you put in, that's your value. But when when we when we enter this new space with Web3, that's different because your value isn't measured in that sense anymore. Because like if you come to me and you say, I have this education, it's not relative, it's not uh, um, uh, relevant to me. So I would say, okay, what can you do for this space? What value can you bring? And the beauty here is that uh, the whole concept of human capital in web3 changes totally because everyone can bring value that they didn't know of so i know that you've, you've been hearing this as well a lot of people say that okay but i'm in this business like 
this is what treason for me but that's where they they are wrong because and everything that you can do that you have done you can just bring that to web3 and implement it so it's not like uh, i think a lot of people see web3 and blockchain as something totally different something totally new but it's not it's just uh, enhancement of what we have so you can bring in uh, your own uh, ideas and concepts and and implement it here and that's where the creator economy comes from that soon we will not have this you just go and work nine to five we will still have people that will work definitely but it will be more ways of earning money earning value for for the value you bring in so uh, in, in in the most easy terms there i would say human capital today uh, the old system as i call it and where we are headed it's totally different it will change so much for a lot of people and i understand that many people can't grasp that at the moment that how many doors will open how much change will come yeah and i mean human capital um in the way that you defined it it's a it's a very different way of looking at the world right it's a, a very different way of understanding what your value is because for a long time in the way that things are structured currently um your value is kind of dictated by the entity that you are providing work for you are producing value for right um there isn't necessarily a kind of two-way bartering as to what that value is that value is being dictated by something other than yourself that value is being dictated by a or the scope of that value is being dictated by a job description right so things are going to change things are already starting to change quite significantly with with web3 and i think that brings me quite nicely onto um borderless blockchain alliance bba now um this is something that i've read the i've read the white paper of i'm very happy to be supporting you guys through what we're doing with gbi as well um human capital is at the center of what you guys are doing there so how would you define the how human capital fits into the vision that you have for bba yeah thank you for that ben and thank you for for the support there and um, we have this project we call bba community and what we're trying to do is that we want people to come in uh, because we have uh, a lot of people that have uh, entered the space and they don't know where to start they don't know where to go uh, who to contact so we thought that okay if we have a platform that can provide all that that can provide an entry point and can actually tackle some of the problems that uh, currently exist and that's the problems that i've i've faced um, uh, during my years in blockchain is that we have too much borders so say uh, today we have amazing technical writers uh, from nigeria but people don't value them that much and uh, if you want to work with them it's hard because maybe in the country you live uh, the banks won't allow you to pay out salaries there. So, and it's not skill-based. And I wanted to uh, make everything skill-based and remove this uh, different uh, obstacle that exists where, uh, where you don't get valued based on your skills, but more of like who you are, what skin color you have, what nationality or what country you live in. So we were thinking that how can we bring this uh, and and gamify the whole thing then we thought that okay if we 
issue out avatars to people and uh, then people don't know who they interact with and then we even the playground because now if you're totally new to this game and you start at entry level uh, i think it was the green color uh, nft uh, so you can just look at someone else in this community that that are maybe on say yellow uh, and you can see what they done to reach that point so it's very easy because now we have it's not something that you have to go and look for yourself. We have like GBI, we have other partners where you can actually go take these courses uh, and work on one, two projects, and then you can uh, upgrade your avatar to the next. And I think that if we can include as many people as possible, not just in uh, when it comes to blockchain talent, uh, blockchain is so big, you need, uh, you need law firms, you need... Uh, writers you need content creators to be able to 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 build the future and for that we need to issue uh, issue avatars to everyone and because with avatars uh, people are not programmed to think in a certain way so you as a client say uh, you don't know if that person is uh, is sitting in nigeria or is sitting in sweden you just think okay i need these uh, skills this avatar this person has the skills easy so we make it much more efficient because now you can see that okay i'm not judged by uh, my ethnicity or something else but based upon my skills and that shows people that okay the only thing i need to do is do better educate myself more and i can reach any level i want to reach so i think it's it's very important to make that change and i hope other people come up with better solutions but at the moment i think that's the best one yeah and i mean bias is something that we all have to deal with on a on a day-to-day -day basis i'm fortunate in that i am white so the amount of bias that i have to deal with on a daily basis is probably going to be significantly less than many of the people who may be watching or listening to this and i think like you're exactly right if we can create things in such a way that we are able to move away from systems which ultimately serve to entrench that bias in a way and towards something that is more representative of the skills of the individual again ultimately a more kind of human capital focused economy as opposed to a you being told what your value is based economy then everything is going to be a lot more sustainable um in the sense that will ultimately be able to foster far greater levels of participation totally and and that's the thing you know it's it's all about participation because you have to encourage people you have to make people believe in themselves because there is amazing people that just need that little push and they can start doing amazing things but if 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 no one is is providing that then it's very hard and even there if you break it down there is so many steps that you need especially when it comes to say education and gbi what you guys are doing it's 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 so crazy because nobody is doing that for people and we've just seen that these uh, past couple of weeks so many people reaching out and and are so grateful for having this um, these courses there and it's for free so a lot of people could have done done it but they didn't so I think that's very important to encourage people that way to show that, okay, look, we are actually doing this because we want a change. And uh, from what I've seen uh, that have uh, 
amazing results. A lot of people want to take this step and uh, they feel more more comfortable to take these steps now because it's not just confusion you go to youtube and you don't know what to look for so i think that's amazing to have these kind of initiatives and to actually show people set examples that here this is how you can do it this is how we did it and you can do the same so to include people that's very important mm, yeah and i think i mean all of this is gearing towards as you mentioned previously like ultimately what a lot of people in this space, myself included, yourself as well, um, are looking to achieve with this technology is driving some sort of meaningful change um, in terms of the way that things are being done, right? Um, and helping to provide the environment that this more kind of human capital focused economy is able to is able is able to be built in. And the web three kind of technology stack with with DeFi, with nfts with the metaverse and everything these are all fantastic technologies and they can be incredibly inclusive um but there is one which is currently the, the theme of this podcast DAOs, that are at least in my view going to form a very important part of how this human capital focused economy comes together how it is built now how would you define a DAO? A DAO, I would say there is uh, there is different uh, uh, concepts of a DAO today, at least, uh, is that a lot of people don't understand what a DAO is. And sure, you can, you can see it in different ways, but if we see right now, then a DAO is basically governance today. But if we break it down and take it to the next level, then it's more of how can we make structure more efficient and remove um, everything that's centralized, a central authority in this case that, okay, if we, t if, if we start with say, how the structure will, will operate, then you have smart contracts for that. It makes it much more efficient uh, because you don't need say uh, people to, to, to do those kind of tasks. It's, it's not efficient. They don't need to do it because if you can remove those kind of uh, tasks uh, and put it, let a smart contract do it, then people have more time to actually, say in a corporation, they have more time to educate themselves, to learn new things that they can come back and implement or maybe vote on later on. Uh, but if they are stuck there, it's very hard to do it. So uh, I would say that in, in the most basic terms, a DAO is... Uh, a new structure, a new structure, a new way of doing things, and it's 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 inclusive. It's for everyone. Uh, you can take it on on a level of a small community. You can take it on a global level, and you can actually include everyone as long as you have a solid structure in it. So what I mean by a solid structure is that you need to have a structure where you know that your code will execute what's needed and what can keep this secure and then from there people should be able to vote on some stuff not on everything because if you start voting on everything uh, how this uh, structure um, uh, should be then you don't make it efficient it's very hard to actually make progress but if you build uh, a, st a structure that's solid that makes all these tasks that people normally do and let code handle that then people have much more time to spend on, on new things that they can learn. And 
that will bring value. That's what we mentioned earlier about people can bring value uh, is that you can come in now and from what you know, what you've learned, you can see, okay, how can we implement it here? What can we vote on? So I don't think we should vote on everything. No, that's especially not the structure because we already understand that the DAO itself, uh, the structure looks different. We don't have a CEO. We don't have a boss. Uh, we don't need that. But with that said, it doesn't mean that anyone should just come in and vote about everything because like if you go to the doctors it's you want a good doctor to take care of it's not like you go you want a soccer player to come and and uh, and help you there so i i think there is different levels to this and uh, the mo the biggest focus should be on building the structure first and then go to okay what should people vote on and um Later on, how I see a DAO in the near future, I would say people can find new ways of earning, a lot of new ways of earning, like uh, you can create stuff and earn, you can um, uh, learn stuff and earn, you can, some people will, will be needed to work and earn as well, but you will earn different things. It will not just be you earn your paycheck, you get your paycheck and your dollars. No, you have, you mentioned DeFi earlier, there is so many solutions where you can actually take what you get and put it there and get passive incomes. So you can get much more if we take uh, um, the DAO approach in any corporation, in any structure. And even when it's not money-based, uh, when it's uh, like, say, you have communities that, that has nothing to do with money, uh, say students, right? Uh, you can e even implement a DAO there and have a DAO structure. So I think it's a very broad concept right now, and I think we will we will get there as people educate themselves more about how to use it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, just adding on to your point around um, efficiency, if you look at the way that many organizations are structured now, you have like a relatively small top, sometimes a relatively small bottom as well, and then you have this massive middle layer where there is an enormous amount of decision making that gets that happens but that decision-making isn't necessarily efficient because you have however many layers of middle management. I mean, this may be a, a misconception that I have, um, but that heavy middle, ma middle management layer is something that is relatively commonplace in certain industries. And I think this ties quite nicely into the, the, the human capital-focused economy idea again, because in creating an economy in this way, people are able to explore more aspects of their personality and more aspects of the ways that they are able to create value and the interesting thing is there is something that all people humans experience called decision making fatigue right whereby it, the more decisions you have to make over the course of a day the more difficult it is for you to make the right decision towards the end of the day because you just your brain is just tired so if you're able to structure an organization or a social cause or a movement in such a way that the governance layer takes a lot of the decision making out of the equation off of the people releasing that bandwidth then a huge amount of potential then gets unlocked um, yeah. and i think i mean things are very early at the moment right um we're seeing some some quite interesting early ideas of what a dao is is supposed to be but these are these are very small scale um what do you think is the issue with the scale of DAOs at the moment 
it's 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 based on like it it just focuses on on certain things it doesn't see the bigger picture because now we think that okay as long as uh, we can let people make proposals and vote that's a doubt but uh, sure that can be used implemented without smart contracts even today like you mentioned earlier that in in um, uh, like say i had this talks the other day with uh, some people um, working at volvo the swedish uh, car brand and they said that we work at the factory but and we know what we need to actually make it more efficient make the job more efficient but that would result in making more money to the to the company as a whole but nobody listens to them because if they would go to make a proposal they go to their boss and that boss goes to the next boss and next boss and and they don't know because they are so far away from uh, from from the ground so i would say that right now what uh, the doubts we see out there are missing is that they think that just because you can bring you can give people uh, voting rights that's all but you don't ask yourself what can i do with that voting rights right so say if we're going to start voting on uh, okay we <clears throat> we want a new structure uh, government structure nobody would care about that so that's the thing we need the foundation that's when when i touched it earlier about the structure we need a structure that works that we can then later on integrate with different aspects of life so we can't just uh, jump to tech and hope that tech will solve it for us it will not it's all about how people think how people uh, what people want and if we can work with that then it takes us much closer to be able to create a uh, a DAO structure where we will always uh, we will have an impact on the voting because now we can vote on a lot. We've seen these different um, own forks, right? Uh, you vote on like what what does that result in? Nothing. You vote on what should uh, the treasury do, but it's way beyond that. I think I think it's it's all about the concept. I always mention the concept is that. Even if it's so easy, the concept of blockchain and the concept of Web3, I think a lot of people still miss the concept. They don't understand what it is, how we can leverage that. And as soon as you understand, I know that you do it, Ben, but as soon as you understand it, it opens up the door to so many new things that you will never even uh, think about previously. And if, if we go back to uh, your question there is that, what can, uh, what can we do, right? Or I've, I forgot your question. What can we do to get uh, a more efficient DAO? Well, like, what are some of the the limitations of DAOs at the moment, like in terms of the the scale? Yeah, it's because the tech, the technology we use, and and the um, the amount of people we have included there, that itself is not efficient because we need to focus, we need to integrate. So if we're just gonna see the tech itself, we need to integrate all these different solutions with one DAO. And then we have so much more DAOs every day, every day, every day. And that's, I see as the only limitation is that we are competing with each other the same way as we did uh, previously. And I think as long as people can understand that it's not about competition anymore, then we can actually start to scale everything. Because if we're going to create a uh, uh, hundred new DAOs that are doing their own thing. It, 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 it will not be able to scale because then we need to create solutions for each DAO. 
But instead, if we don't compete with each other and if we start uh, collaborating with each other, then we will think differently and we will, uh, when we structure our own DAO, we will think ahead and see that how can we integrate this with projects in the future. And um, I know that some people are trying to do it, but we haven't seen anything uh, like that at the moment. Mm, yeah, and uh, I think as um, you mentioned um, before we started recording, one of the one of the big issues at the moment is DAOs are focusing on ultimately small questions like what should the Treasury do with this? Um, should this proposal be executed or not? Should this individual be onboarded or a part of the team or not? And ultimately, these are all very very small scale governance questions which though relatively important from a community health and a community engagement standpoint they're not necessarily quite so important for longevity for the impact that a DAO is going to have going forward so governance is really only going to be a very small part of what a DAO is right what do you think the other parts are going to be? If governance is this this method that you can engage a community, what else is going to be necessary? I would say that, like what we mentioned earlier, that we need to first help people make the shift from the old way of thinking. And that's the thing. It's It, it, it sounds very basic, but that's the biggest obstacle right now is that how people think, how people are used to, right? Like, I know that even today, we have people uh, wanting to go back to a job like they're used to that but even if it would be more efficient to not go back to that old way of doing things and when it comes to uh, from here on and where we can go is that we should when we build something we should uh, build it together with others and have others uh, uh, we need to build it for other people not just for ourselves not just to benefit ourselves so to make it easy if we're gonna say uh, if we want to touch big questions right that will actually help and and make an impact then we need to start with okay what's the biggest problem here and how can we solve that and people are not asking those kind of questions i say it all comes down to what kind of questions people ask themselves and ask other people and nobody's asking the right questions at the moment because it's more of, okay, we have this much things, we can just use the buzzwords, we can make money. And I think that money itself is the obstacle here because as long as we just focus on that, it's hard to convince someone or, or help someone understand what the power of it is. Because say uh, right now uh, we take elections, right? Uh, in the States, I think the past election cost $14.9 billion. $14.9 billion. So everyone that have a bit knowledge about blockchain understands that you can solve that election if we build it on Ethereum, say $100. But we are not doing it. So you see, the solutions is already there. Uh, everything is already here. But what's missing? What's missing is people's understanding of it. So it all comes down to this. We can talk about tech, we can talk about other aspects, but it all comes down to educating people. Because if people don't understand how to do it, it will never change. That's why I mentioned this thing with elections, is that you can solve that with $100 today. And it's 100% more secure, it's more efficient, and you can cheat. Isn't that what... Uh, 
what's the basic of voting like when it comes to election that's the, that's the most basic thing you shouldn't be able to cheat it should be secure um, and it shouldn't be able to change the votes later on but we're not doing it so you see it all comes down to educating people and I think that's very important I know a lot of people talk about that but me personally I think that anything that we're gonna build if we want to have an impact we must educate everyone not just a few that doesn't work so I always come back to education that's my solution for everything here Sure. So when you say education, do you mean specifically in like the blockchain sense as in getting people to understand the technology and engage with it or in the more kind of holistic sense? Because you mentioned that like a lot of these limitations that we have at the moment are effectively self-imposed because of the way that people are thinking about problems. Is the education um, that is necessary kind of broader education or is there another solution? Yeah, I would say for the education part, it's uh, where you learn. Now, right now, we have a lot of on online education, but even there, it's more targeting how can we provide, uh, say, development skills to people and make money on that. So it's it's not about how can we, uh, they don't see the bigger picture, like how can we provide the necessary information? Like that's what uh, you guys at the GBI do that you provide the necessary information so people can get a better understanding and then they will see that, okay, I can, with what I do in life, I can start just using blockchain to enhance that. So it's, it's, it's more of what kind of education uh, that's out there. Uh, because today we have a lot of education. Just take YouTube as an example. It's uh, everyone is a teacher. Everyone uh, gives lectures about a lot, but it's, it's not the optimal thing. And uh, when it comes to uh, what we knew, I forgot there. What did you say about uh, you give me? You gave two different uh, options there: education and so blockchain specific or education or more kind of holistic education. That's the issue. Yeah, I would say we need more holistic uh, education because sure you can learn about blockchain, but that will put you in different boxes. So say if you're interested in 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 one sector, if you just go towards the metaverse. That's good, but if you don't understand, if you don't see the bigger picture, then you you can never implement uh, something that will have an impact. Sure, you can do something that will target a small audience and make money, uh, but it, you will not change. Like that's why we see today a lot of play to earn are presented in in different metaverse projects, but not so much of learn to earn. Uh, or create to earn, right? So I think it's uh, what kind of uh, uh, what kind of education we give that's very important here, and uh, we don't have enough. Uh, that's why it's, um, I always target uh, developing nations because there people don't have uh, the same access to education. So if we can build, uh, I know that me and you have talked about this. If we can build physical blockchain hubs or or centers. Uh, that will make it much easier to uh, give the right kind of education because they don't have uh, this much access that we have over here in the West, you know? Like, we have so much thing that can affect uh, affect us, but there is not the same thing. They, they are more into results. And I think everything should be results. Okay, I learned this. What can I do with it? Will this, have, um, will this help me and will it help uh, people? If yes, amazing, I will do it. So it's. I think it's It's more of uh, 
understanding your own ego and why you want to do things. Mm. Yeah. Understanding motivations is uh, an, an incredibly important thing, especially if you're, I mean, in this space, right? There's so many opportunities to make potentially quite a large sum of money, be that in launching your own project, be that in getting lucky with the timing of a particular fork of whatever token on whatever chain. Um, and ultimately, I think because there is so much activity on the the wealth creation side for certain individuals that that becomes the focus of what this what this space is perceived to be it's perceived to be a money-making endeavor a money-making opportunity as opposed to it being a technology stack technology suite which can be applied in novel ways in ways that we haven't been able to apply technology before to solve problems that we haven't necessarily been able to solve before because we haven't had the necessary technologies to do it um and i, I think like the the point that you made um where we've spoken about um, the need for physical education hubs. Definitely. I think COVID has been a positive thing for the, the accelerated digitization of learning. Um, there is a lot more happening online now than there ever was before for better or for worse. As you mentioned, like everyone's a teacher now you can go onto YouTube and everyone is building themselves to be an educator in some capacity. Um, but this has accelerated the shift away from, more traditional kind of class-based learning approaches which don't work for everybody i mean if you look at the way that the education system is structured all over the world you go to a room for a number of hours and you learn a predefined curriculum which may or may not be useful to you because it was developed at some point at the turn of the century because ultimately people needed like factory owners needed docile factory workers now there is probably some misconceptions there on my part, but the fact that the way that we perceive education, the way that we structure education hasn't really been disrupted in any meaningful way. I mean, yes, you end up with more interesting tools in the classroom and different methods for you to deliver assignments and that sort of thing. But in terms of the way that we deliver education, again, in the holistic sense, that hasn't really been changed. Digitalization is one thing. It's great. But if the pendulum goes too far the other way, there is a huge amount of value that comes from having those face to face interactions, which you do have in a classroom setting. Now, what we're doing with GBI is providing the online content, which is which is necessary. I mean, I had a fantastic call with um, some of the, the BBA community in Nigeria um, who'd spun up a self-study community around the GBI content. And this is something that when we set out to create GBI, I'd never anticipated happening, but there is there was a huge amount of gratitude for having access to this kind of content um, because more often than not, in order to gain access to this kind of knowledge, people have to leave the continent, like people have to leave Africa. They come to Europe, they'll go to the States, they'll go to Singapore, they'll go to somewhere else. And if someone is that has that kind of mobility from an educational standpoint, more often than not, they may be in a position to be able to stay out of the country as well, which means that, again, you end up with this lack of certain educational resources. So the tech side is one thing. Online content is one thing. Physical hubs are definitely going to be the next thing. Now, you've, we've spoken about the need for physical hubs going forward. This is something that is in the BBA white paper. Why do you think physical hubs for education are an important thing to have? 
because in in many countries there are still you know people are used to this uh, you mentioned sure me and you we don't like it but uh, a lot of people are used to that to have somewhere to go because they feel that they are more encouraged that this is something that's that's real this is something that will actually give me uh, um, the right education that i can later use because i faced this when when we were helping uh, the girls in afghanistan uh, the 200 girls over there is that first the, forget about the blockchain part just that okay you can sit at home and you can take these courses. Uh, we bought uh, courses from Morales to them. And uh, you can, uh, when you're done, you can actually start working from home. And it, I remember it was very hard. I had a lot of discussions with them that they didn't understand. They didn't value that that much because for them, they've all, uh, always been told that, okay, if you're going to become something and if you're going to study, then you need to go to this physical place, uh, in other words, university or something, and, and get your education. So I think especially in developing nations, that's needed. Uh, maybe not that much here, but uh, in the developing nation, it is needed because a lot of people still don't uh, value online uh, education that much. It, it's, it's new to them. They are not familiar with it. Sure, a lot of young people maybe do it, but there is a big percentage that, that's, that has a very hard time to, to understand it fully. And that's why if we have physical blockchain hubs or hubs that, that just uh, teach people and they can go there and learn stuff, I think it will be more attractive for them. They will have more because uh, when they tell their parents, I'm going to go and uh, get myself an education and they go to a physical place, it's easier for them, you know, because you have to think in the developing nations, there is a lot of parents that they are not pro the, the digitalization and all that. So if you tell, like, I remember it's the same for me and I'm in Sweden, like when I was entering the blockchain space and my father was saying, like, what are you doing? You're wasting time, like. What's that? But if I would go, I would have gone and do the same thing, but at a university, he would be so like he would be very happy. He would be much more pro the whole thing. And I I know that in the developing nation that's a very big thing uh, to go and actually be somewhere to learn. It 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 encourages them them much more. And I think that comes down to meet people where they are. And uh, if if that's how they are used to, then we need to provide that. Hopefully later on we have a transition that everything goes uh, online. But at the moment we need something that's physical. And uh, I know that you had uh, uh, we we've been talking and you had a very good uh, idea of how to implement uh, physical uh, blockchain hubs. Yeah. So I mean. I think just to kind of preempt all of this, a caveat, I'm not against <laughs> physical places of education at all. There is a, a massive amount of value to be had for, as you say, like having a place where you can go um, because a large part of the learning experience isn't going to take place in the classroom. It's going to take place in the discussions that you are having with your classmates, individuals that you are consuming the content, consuming the material with. Um, you'll be speaking to them and you'll be able to challenge your understanding test your understanding of the material, debate certain topics, certain aspects. And that is a much easier thing to do when you're in the same place as somebody else. Like Zoom, StreamYard, whatever tool is a fantastic way of doing it, but there are always going to be nuances that you end up missing by not being in the same space, physical space as somebody. Um, also, it's as you say, like it's going to be a hell of a lot easier 
for someone in a country whereby online education maybe doesn't have the same kind of credibility as yet um, for someone to say I'm going to go to a hub or I'm going to go to effectively a school as opposed to I'm going to go and hang out on discord for the next four hours with a group of people that I talk to online like that's not necessarily going to go over in quite the same way um, and in, in regard to the the setting up of physical hubs I think the way that education is structured at the moment is and I'm coming at this from the perspective of someone who taught in a classroom for four years is you have a student body and then you'll have the teacher right um, and you end up with this power dynamic whereby you have the students coming from like a, a lower position the teacher kind of talking down to them um, some individuals work really well in this way um, other individuals do not necessarily work quite so well in this way and there are lots of other aspects to the learning experience, which can also be incredibly beneficial to the development of, a, to, of one's education, of one's educational underpinnings. Um, mentoring is another really good example, whereby there is still a kind of teacher-student relationship going on in a way, but the power dynamic doesn't necessarily happen. It's someone speaking to somebody else as an equal as opposed to speaking down to someone by virtue of the position that they find themselves in and i think the way that we just taking gbi as an example um that we are structuring gbi is you have a, a central foundation um which will be the base for fundraising um and then on top of that, there will be a number of, there are a number of local hubs in I think 34 countries around the world at last check. And the role of these hubs is going to vary quite significantly depending on the country that they're in. So the, the needs on the ground of say Singapore um, are going to be very different to the needs on the ground of Rwanda. For example, like you're going to have people in Singapore who maybe have the kind of education that is necessary to engage with the technology in a meaningful way. And they're more looking for like connections so they can build stuff for themselves. In Rwanda, it may well, may well be that they're looking for the basic education. So the role that a hub lead is going to take in different geographic locales is going to vary quite significantly. And then if you can structure things in such a way that you have the central foundation as a treasury of sorts, right? Because one of the big issues that people have with nonprofits is that they are inherently corrupt. A way that you can deal with that is by making things significantly more transparent. What's one of the best ways to make things more transparent? Making use of blockchain at the moment. You stick everything on chain, put it in a public, like build things on a public chain and then make the wallet address publicly accessible so people can view your transactions. Then... For each of the local hubs, you could potentially set up a another like multi-sig wallet, for example, and then certain smart contract functionalities built around this built around this wallet that will pay out to educational initiatives or projects which are being supported in the locale based upon the input of some sort of criteria. Um, and then you can, again, like taking the decision making out of the process that we were speaking about previously, like the need to have this vast bloated infrastructure of people who are having to relay things up and down. You can automate a lot of this. Um, and then in automating this, that also means that a lot less of the money is being wasted in the middle and then more of it is going to end up where it needs to be. 
which means that someone who is running a hub, for example, they're not having to worry about like however many decisions it's going to be for payouts because the payouts are going to happen automatically, which means that they are then ultimately going to be able to provide a lot more support to that hub, which ultimately is going to be able to drive that much more change through the delivering of whatever education is going to be necessary, wherever that may be. Yeah, and that's 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 very beautiful because it it encourages more people it down like the whole chain there. Everyone can see what happens, and you you remove this uh, the cheating. You remove the cheating because now it's not you. Can, everyone can be sure that I think if everyone can see that cheating doesn't happen, that will make people go away from this mindset of okay if i can cheat i will cheat so and that that doesn't exist today and that's what i wanted to mention earlier but i forgot when it comes to to, to DAOs and corporates right now like we have a company here in sweden uh, sl uh, in stockholm and uh, they are uh, they are uh, firing 300 uh, employees uh, to to replace with tech so, uh, uh, and that will save them, I don't know how much, maybe it was around 10, 15 million dollars per year. So here is the thing that we will see much more of this every day where tech will replace. But my question here is that why are nobody targeting, okay, what will happen with this money? It sh if you fire 300 people, it's not like you're gonna take this 15 million dollar and invest them in those people again. You do it to actually, make more money and that's something beautiful without that you can prevent that because like we talked about earlier that you can take smart contracts to to make it more efficient uh, to remove this uh, to to let the smart contracts handle the tasks that people were normally doing but okay that will create more money more more revenue for you more uh, so what will you do with that and that's the thing, I think, when it comes to DAO and, and when it comes to the blockchain space uh, as a whole, it's, it's, it's very hard to compete. Like if you come from a corporate uh, uh, background, it's very hard first to understand, but it's very hard for uh, the old corporations to actually uh, compete with this. It's very hard because uh, you fire people to actually make more profits, but here we f we don't fire people. We make it easier for people uh, with tasks that can be handled by uh, different uh, smart contracts, but we take the money we make there and invest it back to you. Like maybe you want to become a creator, maybe you want to do something else. So, and and th th that's the thing that it's very hard to compete with, with uh, what's going on right now. And, uh, that's why when we discussed about holistic education is that people have to understand because now when this thing happens, people don't ask the questions. And this is, this is what I mean, that you have to ask those questions. And if you see that that corporation can't provide those uh, answers to you, then you can actually right now look towards DAOs and, and, and put your focus there because then you can actually... Uh, uh, you don't even need to ask those questions because you can already implement that. So we can make it easier, make it more efficient for people, but just because we remove people uh, from those tasks doesn't mean that we should take that money and, and, and mm -hmm. put them in our pocket. We should definitely use it to give it back to the people to actually grow the whole DAO and the whole ecosystem there. So, and, and that's the thing. Uh, I know that I say it's, uh, we shouldn't compete uh, uh, in, in Web3 and in blockchain, but when it comes to the corporate world and the old ways of doing things, 
and Web3 and blockchain, it's it's impossible to compete. It's impossible. And the faster we learn, the fir- the faster we understand, the faster we can grow and make it easier for everyone. Like, it, it's not worth it. It's not worth it to try to continue, try to implement your old ways of doing things into this. It will not work and you can't compete. So uh, I don't know. What do you think about that, Ben? I I, I agree 100%. I think that's one thing that we are seeing as a, a limitation of the of the space at the moment. People are coming into the space with preconceived ideas as to how the space is supposed to be, which have been informed based upon their experience. Uh, this is something we touched on before we started recording was that a lot of the people who are in the space at the moment are incredibly technical right um it's new technology if you look at the way that new technologies are adopted the people at the beginning the innovators and the early adopters generally have a much more technical affinity um there is nothing wrong with this but if you are technical then you are probably going to be left brain dominant maybe you're not necessarily going to have the same sort of i don't know freewheeling creativity that may be seen in other areas of society for example like the culture and the arts and stuff like that um, which we are now starting to see a lot more involvement from thanks to nfts and the movement um, that is happening around there but in the direction of the technology being dictated by people who are technical first creative second as opposed to creative first technical second we see sometimes existing systems being replicated on chain. Um, these systems are more efficient um, thanks to smart contracts, thanks to governance mechanisms, but they are ultimately still the same systems. Um, unless we can provide education on how to think about these things as opposed to what to think about these things about these technologies about how they can be applied then i mean you just we end up with (laughs) a potentially digital dystopia of more of the same and that isn't necessarily going to be serving people that's not going to be the the human capital focused economy that is possible with this stuff um The focus on money is a big part of this, I think. And the fact that money is currently seen as the kind of ultimate representation of the value that one is delivering. Like there's that old adage, like if you want to make a bit, if you want to make a million dollars, sell something. If you want to make a billion dollars, like a billion dollars, you need something that is going to impact a billion people. Um, but again, like why is making a billion dollars seen as the metric for success here? Why is the making of the money seen as the metric of success? If you're impacting a billion people, but you don't necessarily make any money, does that mean that you have been a failure? No, I would argue not. Um, But I think, again, the focus on investment, the focus on money in the system, in in this space at the moment, is limiting to a degree. Um, How do you think we can move away from that? I would say um, um, what we touched earlier that <clears throat> when it comes to the BBA community project, there, right? It's not about money. It's about changing how people think, and that's very important here because, like you said, <clears throat> uh, you can have a big impact. Just look at the things we do. Just look at what GBI does. We've seen it. It's proven. So we know that it has big impact. So, and that's 
how we think about things, creating stuff. That's why I always say that, that that's one of the reasons why BBA isn't that technical. We don't even have an own token. And we had a lot of, I got a lot of hate because of this. They said, oh, it's a blockchain project. Why don't you have an own token? I said, because I want to show people something that, hey, you can just leverage tech. It doesn't mean that you need to do fork someone else like everyone else is doing, right? You just fork each other because that's not the solution. It's about showing people new ways of doing things. So one of the things is that uh, what I mentioned with the BBA community, that it's not money focused. We gamify and we, we, we make avatars. It's very basic, like er anyone can do it, but that makes a difference because now people think differently. Why? Because the old way of thinking doesn't work here. You don't know who who is who you're dealing with. So it's, you can only see, okay, this is the skills. So I think that if, if more people uh, create projects like this, where we target real problems, and we can, like just with BBA, we can see that, look how easy we can make a difference, how easy we can impact. Because now it's people think differently, and that just... Um, uh, just continues and continues with a chain reaction that more people will see the same thing. They will think that, okay, there is other ways of doing it. And just by understanding that there is other ways of doing it, then it will happen. Like if we touch uh, the Web3 space, everything is the same. Everything is the same. Maybe for someone that's new, it doesn't look like that. But for me, everything is the same because no one questions, everyone does the same thing to make money. And that's the thing. If people show others that, hey, there is other ways of doing things. So, uh, and and that's the whole thing, the concept with BBA there, that we just want to show people that there is other ways of doing it and we want to prove it. Same way, and I, I to be honest, I got a lot of that from, from uh, our talks uh, about GBI and, and, and how you're taking that approach, right? Because you are taking, like, sure, we have a lot of academies, we have a lot of things there, but it doesn't have any real result, if you ask me. But then we have GBI do similar thing, but have a totally different approach. And look, we've seen the impact already. And I think it, we are not even halfway through there, but we've seen these or different communities are so, are so happy about it, like the thing in Nigeria with Jehu and them, right? Like yep. we've seen that it works. And I think a lot of people sees this. They see that we are doing something different. And they get more interested and that will help them understand that, okay, just because the mainstream is doing this doesn't mean that this is the optimal thing and this is something I need to do. So uh, I think more people need to show examples because now we don't have examples. If Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I don't see different examples. I see the same thing, copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste, and that have uh, consequences we have hacks we have scams we have i don't know what and what but people still go into that direction instead of taking one second asking themselves that hey maybe i should do something different or have a different approach so uh, it, it, it a lot comes back to uh, how people think and and uh, the way you gbi is doing it the way you're doing it with the dow turnout where you bring in different people that's different that's uh, that's different. It's not targeting just one thing. Sure, you talk about DAOs, but it's 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 different solutions, different ways of doing things. And I think that's what's needed here, to be honest, to actually make a change and move toward the right direction. Mm, yeah, I think it it all revolves around um, incentive alignment, right? 
ultimate incentive at the moment is is money because if you have money then you'll be able to buy the thing and if you buy the thing then you'll have the thing and then so on and so forth and that's the ultimate incentive for doing things um with blockchain and with nfts and with gamefi specifically we're starting to see some quite interesting um things happening around play to earn and then subsequently like if someone is earning money playing video games um normally money is reserved for productive activities right if you are productive then you are going to be able to earn a living yet people are now earning money playing video games so is playing video games now technically a productive activity or is that something that is perceived as something else and then from that we and there was a, a question in the in the comments from Ahmed um around learn to earn um this is something that you mentioned previously with um what you may end up doing with with BBA, learn to earn. How do you? How does that work? What are your, your thoughts on learn to earn? I would say there is no specific thing. How we do it in BBA is that people learn, people educate themselves, and that helps them grow and earn more. So there is no like uh, a specific thing. What learn to earn? Like how you can implement it. Learn to earn can be anything. I know that we have some friends that targets. Uh, much like on a bigger level with the metaverse and the learn to earn concept so i would say anything where you are encouraged to learn something that then you can come back and 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 uh, give back to the community or give back to the planet and uh, one good thing is um, what you learn about that specific topic if you're in blockchain and if you're say a developer then you need to educate yourself more and more because that grows your own value so say if you're at junior level, of course, if you take more courses, and this is not something new, this we already have this kind of concept, but the thing is that people don't understand it because it's not crypto related. Uh, we have like in Sweden, we have Concede. Um, it's the biggest software solutions company in, in Scandinavia. And uh, what they are doing, they say that to their new employees, they say, if you go and finish that Java book, uh, you we give you a... a, a, a a pay raise so you see the concepts are already there it's all about that we have to understand that anything that you learn and you can bring back it's not just you learn and you do something for yourself if you can bring back that that for me is a a, a full learn to earn concept because you give back to yourself and to the community and you let other people uh, take the same approach like you did so um, learn to earn it's it's basically uh, you investing in yourself that's how i see fantastic yeah and i think the word earn is kind of a, a loaded term especially in crypto in the blockchain space at the moment because again it ties back to that idea that the only value that is worth having is money is monetary value so by creating structures that incentivize learning because they are going to add value which isn't necessarily monetary to you to your skill set to what you are able to achieve and then ultimately increase like the value of your personal human capital um then that is going to be something incredibly powerful going forward okay. in terms of the shift then um that you would like to see happening in in the blockchain space um 
we've mentioned that DAOs at the moment are focusing on small questions. Um, people's motivations generally revolve around finance and the, the monetary aspect of things. What kind of shift is going to be necessary in the short term to start moving towards this more human capital focused um, approach? I would say uh, first thing is is how we can get mass adoption and uh, we have a big gap there right now because we have a lot of youth that are pro blockchain and the whole concept and so on and they, they just want to make a jump but yeah. it doesn't work because we still have the uh, the fiat sits with with a few so we need to find solutions to bring in everyone and when we have everyone on board then it's much easier because the youths will the youths are the future so they will use this and build amazing things but if we try to divide ourselves and take um, uh, be different groups right we want to do this they want to do this it won't work we won't make progress but if we can help mass adoption and one of the things there is uh, i know that me and you talked about it how to solve so governments can easily um, collect taxes that's one very important thing, because if we can do that, then governments are more keen to actually adopt this. And imagine if uh, you, you, uh, the schools, every school uh, will teach about blockchain. That's amazing. We win. Like, we win on that. So to, to be able to onboard everyone, not just the few that are in it right now or the young people, it's, it should be everyone. We, we should accept that, hey, we can't do this alone, even if we have the tech, if we have the so-called power uh, crypto market cap is two trillion real estate is 200 so you see like we can go on and talk about yeah we are this and that but we are not uh, we have to accept that we have to include everyone and it, we have to go beyond what we are doing right now to uh, provide solutions maybe if we're not pro governments sorry but we have to provide solutions to onboard them because that's how the structure is. If we want to make a difference and uh, get into this transition I always talk about, then we need to first onboard them to be able to give necessary tools and to open up the doors for everyone to make a change. So we can't just fight and, and hope that that will work. Fight will never be the solution. It's, it's proven in, in history. Fighting doesn't uh, solve anything. So I think onboarding people, onboarding everyone. And right now we don't see that that much. Awesome. And I think we are just bumping up against the hour as well. So I think this is the, the perfect opportunity to ask my, uh, my final question. Now, we've been on a bit of a, a freewheeling conversational journey at the moment and touched on a lot of subjects. But I think the, the one thing that I like to ask everybody, and I'll be interested to hear your perspective on this, is what is the change that you would like to see DAOs as a structure, as a technology tool, bring to the world? Uh, I would say uh, how we manage and how we uh, build the future. So for instance, uh, the power should be with with people. That's understandable. It should be with people. So how can we uh, create something that will give back the power to the people? Because people can vote on what they want to be for their future, for their children. So that's why I always talk about making it much more global uh, to have a DAO that will... I, I Me personally, my optimal thing would be have one DAO. 
one big DAO. Then sure, you can have sub-DAOs and so on, but one big DAO for the whole planet that will uh, that can have a structure that will benefit people. So we will always listen to what people have to say. So in this case, if, if the youth, and we always say that the youth are the future, then that's who we should ask. If it's about school systems, right, that we have today. Okay, but the teachers... It's not like they are learning. It's the, it's, it's, it's the children, it's the youth that are learning. So we should involve them, ask them the questions, ask them, what do you want? Because that's how we can progress. So I personally, I would want to see a global DAO, just one big, huge, massive DAO. Uh, and everything is, 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 is in that uh, DAO. Everything is operating in that DAO. Fantastic. A small goal for us to finish on. Uh, yeah we have to have big goals then uh, absolutely awesome thank you so much Lamar this has been fantastic um, thank you very much for coming on thank you for sharing thank you so much thank you for having me uh, thank you audience for, for watching and uh, I wish everyone a great evening day morning thank you very much indeed everyone this has been great uh, we'll catch you all again soon That was the Daustronaut Podcast. Thank you very much for joining me on this exciting voyage through the uncharted territories of the blockchain universe. Please do make sure that you hit the subscribe button wherever it is that you are choosing to listen today. That way you are guaranteed to keep your seat on the fastest rocket into the decentralized future. Once again, do remember to disembark the vessel safely and that nothing said on this podcast is financial advice. With that said, I hope you have enjoyed joining me on this quest and I will catch you next time.